Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? All right, come on. We're in the series on the book of Mark, and so I'm going to jump right into that. I took some time up on the offering teaching, so now I've got to go. Can you say go, Pastor? Come on, Pastor, you can do it. So the, the title of the sermon is You Don't Have to Struggle to Snuggle. You don't have to struggle to snuggle. You don't, you don't have to pass all kinds of tests for you to put your head on the breast of Jesus. You don't have to qualify yourself. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You don't have to memorize half the Bible or pray for 40 hours a week. You know, you don't have to struggle to snuggle. Just come on in. Jesus, you know, Jesus, do you want to snuggle with Jesus? The Apostle John in 1 John said, I intimately had incredible affectionate moments with Jesus. I laid my head on his breast. I enjoyed his presence. And you know what John said? And you can too. He says, I'm revealing this to you, that God is good. He loves you. There's no barriers between you and him, and you don't have to struggle to snuggle. See, religion says you got to struggle. Religion says you got to qualify. Religion says some people are closer to God than you. Some people, they're just a little closer. They qualified a little bit more. And religion says, you, religion can turn this sermon and look, this one person, this Mary, look how close she got to Jesus, and you could get close too if you did X, Y, Z, and L, and M, O, P. You don't have to struggle to snuggle. You just got to do it because he made a way for you. You just got to put your head. Don't look at other people and go, I wish I could be close like them. I mean, I've gone to sermon series, listen to people preach. They go like, you could get close to God like I am if you would climb the mountain of blue. If there is a mountain, Jesus climbed it for you. If there is a valley, Jesus traversed it for you. If there's a rough and a rocky place, if there's anything that keeps you between and anything that stands between you and God, God did it. He dealt with it. And he says, come on. You don't have to struggle to snuggle. Thank you for that leg slap right there. Pity pat. Okay, I got I to gotta go. Come on, pastor. Still, in the Passion Week, we got the Last Supper, the New Covenant, we got Gethsemane, we got the betrayal of Jesus, the arrest of Jesus, the trial with the Sanhedrin, we got Peter disowns him, but it all began, all of this, this chapter 14, it all began with a party, an amazing party. Who doesn't love a party? Jesus loved the party, and they threw a party in his name, and they invited him to this party. Listen, here's a verse that I couldn't get away from. I mean, I want to preach the whole chapter. I want to preach all these interesting things, but I could not shake this verse all week. I could not shake this verse. Look, verse 9, assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, in the whole world, Wherever the good news is shared or preached in the whole world. <laughs> that includes here. That includes us. Wherever the gospel is shared in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. 
as a memorial to her. I want what she has done. I want the devotion and affection that she has manifest. I don't want the gospel preached without this story. I don't want someone to hear the good news. Not in the whole world. I don't want there to be any place in the whole world where the good news is spoken and you didn't hear about the devotion of this woman. It wrecked me all week. Why? I mean, I had such a hard time yesterday just trying to put notes on the screen. I, every time I tried to type something out, I was smitten with his affection. I could smell him. I was sinking into my chair and I went, stop, I got to finish this. But I could feel him. I, I felt like I entered into her encounter and I could smell the fragrance filling the room and her devotion just, I was smitten by it. I said, wherever. The gospel is preached. This needs to be shared as a memorial to her. Look what it says. Let's, let's read the A.W. Tozer. Look at this quote. I put it on the screen just for you. Even there on TV. Look, look what it says. Look what it says. I love this. And this was Tozer. He said, the goodness of God, a revelation of the goodness of God. He said, the sweet language of experience. The sweet language of experience is, thou God seest me. I mean, I was saying that to Cheryl. Poor Cheryl, she gets to hear the sermon 10 times. She's so blessed. But I'm driving in in the car and I'm saying, I'm so messed up, Cheryl. Just that phrase, thou God seest me. Thou God, see, see Mary, he saw her. She might have just gone into a crowd. Who is this Jesus guy? But as he was speaking, she said, he sees me. In that public place where he's ministering the word, somehow she went, he sees me. Here it is. Here's the whole aspect of the language of experiences. Thou God seest me. And when the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right here on the earth. I just love that, don't you? I had to read Tozer, my first Theology 101 in Bible school. I had to read Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy and the Pursuit of Him. And these so touched my life. He said, theology is like an exercise in idolatry. How, how could we possibly say that we want to describe Him who can't be described? How dare we try to put handles on the one who transcends everything? How dare we try to bring down to some place where we can conceptualize what is infinite? How dare we? Limit God. Just experience him. We try to explain him to a world. And what, what's, what's being said here to me is, is that quit trying to explain the gospel and just live it out with absolute, bold, reckless affection in front of everyone. That is authentic and that can't be argued with. They can argue with your dogma. They can question your beliefs. But your affection, your devotion... It'll shatter the hardest of hearts. Hey! Jesus, Jesus. Mark, let's, let's read Mark, starting at verse 3, 14, verse 3. And beginning, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table with a woman having an alabaster flask of very costful spike nerd. She broke it. When's the last time you were broken? When's the last time you just shattered yourself? Let yourself be broken out of absolute just brokenness. 
He dwells with the broken heart. You see, my heart's not broken because I feel terrible. My heart is broken because I cannot believe the affection he has for me. You know, when, when I started dating my wife, I couldn't think straight. I was totally messed up. I couldn't get normal things done. I was so smitten. I'm still smitten, by the way. So. But it's amazing what happens when you have such an encounter that it messes up your whole life. My mom and dad knew it. The people I worked with knew it. Everybody knew. He's messed up. You see, an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus just messed this woman up so much that she broke this flask over her. Matthew 26 says over his head, John, John the affectionate, loving, the gospel of love, John said he broke it on her feet and he wiped it with her hair. I mean, how risky was that? In that culture, for a woman to take her hair down, it would have been like, what is she doing? It was horrible, disgusting, vile, awful act. She didn't give a rip. She didn't give a rip because his glare, his gaze, just looking into his face, literally nothing else matters. The things of earth grow strangely dim. That hymn writer had an experience. But there were some who were indignant. Judas, it was Judas. Why was this wasted? Why? This could have been sold and given. I mean, look at this phrase. He criticized her sharply. It's the word, embrimahomi. Embrimahomahi. 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 It's that Greek word. That Greek word, that Greek word means to snort with anger. Like, like he was manifesting. When she was doing that, Judas is there going, this wasn't just a quiet little wow that's disturbing he snorted he heaved he was he was was manifesting why is she being allowed to do this that's what religion does when you get affectionate with jesus people get embarrassed when you get affectionate right Werner, when he used to dance around doing his kung fu sheens and stuff, you know, I said, that guy is actually, he has an engineering degree. You'd think with an engineering degree, he'd dance a little better than that, you know, but, but I'm like, my God, here's a guy you would think he's a thinker, but he was manifesting the attributes of a feeler. Because you know, when you get touched by Jesus, you feel stuff. You do stuff. You can't take it anymore. I can't sit in my chair. Don't you hate these chairs and masks and the separation and division? It was so nice to see Justin break out of his little space for a bit today. Thankfully, there was nobody near him, and you know, hopefully no one got offended. Why is that guy not staying in his spot? Yeah, why isn't Mary staying in her position as a woman in our culture? What's she doing in the room with the men? And then she lets her hair down. Sounds like a Bob Dylan song. They're going, what is she, what, what, what is she doing now? And then she takes it, she breaks it up over his head, takes it down to his feet, pours it on his feet, and then she takes her hair down, and she begins to wipe. Now, some people are going, ah, I, I just got the word, I love Jesus, I got the word. I'm telling you, an ounce of devotion is worth tons and tons and tons of Bible study. People have been studying the Bible for years, and uh, we who are the pillar and foundation of truth, we, we, we can't even affect our world. What would happen if a world of reckless lovers was released? Hey. Hey, I got to go. Say, go, pastor. Go. All right. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? 
well, Jesus, come on, this is wrong. This is culture. This is just wrong. It's out of order. She's out of order. What is she doing? And Jesus, she knew it. She went boldly and did this because she knew Jesus would welcome it and accept it. While you're despising someone's affection, he's saying, shut up. I like it. I like it. I like it like that. She's done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good, but me, you do not have always. So she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Jesus telling them clearly what's happening here. She's anointed my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, this, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and they promised to give him money. So he saw how he might conveniently betray him. I mean, tear out of your heart everything that gets weird about that kind of stuff. Tear it out. And there's something in Judas that just you know, I don't mind hanging with Jesus, talking about Jesus. She even went, he even went out two by two, preached about Jesus. He even went out two by two, healed people and gassed out devils. He did all of that. And yet when he saw this kind of affection, it didn't turn him towards Jesus. It turned him off. He got altogether too familiar with the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. Why this devotion? So some might say, well, she's devoted because, come on. I mean, her, her, her brother was dead and Jesus came. And John chapter 12, Jesus came to Bethany and he raised the brother from the dead. And there they made supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those at the table. That's, that's John chapter 12. We know that, that Lazarus, and you go back to John 11, you know, Jesus came and raised Lazarus from the dead. Surely, I mean, Mary was excited about that and happy about that. You go back to John 11, 32 and 35. It says, then when Mary came to Jesus and she saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Martha found out first that Jesus was coming and Martha ran to Jesus and had a theological discussion with him. Talked about the resurrection of the dead. Talked about the last days. Talked to him about being the resurrection and the life. But then Jesus like, where's Mary? And then they went and said, Mary, he's looking for you. Who's he looking? He's looking for Mary. Where's Mary? And then Mary comes and she says the same thing. If you'd have been here. But she didn't stand in front of him and have a dialogue. She fell at his feet and worshipped him and said, you could have changed everything. And Jesus wept. He didn't weep at the discussion theologically, but he did weep at the affection. He did weep at the devotion. Is this why she did it? Is this why she did it? Because thank you, Jesus, for restoring my brother to me, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, we see Mary again. And it says, and she had a sister called Mary. Martha was serving. She was a little annoyed that Mary was sitting in with the guys listening to Jesus. And she, she said, she heard that Jesus, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And then Martha kind of complained and said, hey, I could use some help here with the cheesecake. And Jesus said, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. In a culture where the encounter was impossible for this woman, she said, I don't care, because something in Jesus, something she saw in him said that I can break every limitation that is in my culture about me, and I don't care if women aren't supposed to be here at his feet. I'm doing it. 
And she knew that I don't care because I know that he'll receive it. And you know what? What I've experienced is when he speaks, there's authority. And I know that he's going to affirm me. And you see, this was way before her brother was raised from the dead. This was, this was just someone who heard a message from a, from a savior. And she saw something that caused her to do something that was unnormal. Have you heard his voice? Have you heard? Have you you've seen his affection for you? You know that what he speaks and what he has done has broken every barrier between you and him. You don't have to struggle to snuggle. And sadly, we who are the snugglers, the charismatics and the Pentecostals, we are the snugglers. Say, I'm a snuggler. But we have turned snuggling into a religion. We've turned snuggling into, you got to jump through 10 hoops. You can't just snuggle. You can't just run in and snuggle with Jesus. What if you had a bad thought or you had a bad day or you were impure? You can't bring your miserable life to Jesus. You can't just approach him willy-nilly. You can't do that. You got to be holy to come to Jesus. Yes, you do. And guess what? He made you holy. He qualified you. He's the one who qualified you for the snuggle. But there's religious churches all over town saying, you could do better. You could be a better person. I can't be a better person. I am a better person because of the one who defines everything I am. And just one look from his eyes and I suddenly feel like, I can do this, but I tell you, I looked in his face too much yesterday, and I couldn't even type. I could barely sit on a chair, and I realized that there's times where Mary might have been, Jesus is here, it's so good, Martha, let's make some cake, but then she's like, Jesus is here. Oh, Martha, I can't even make a cake. I'm so lovesick. I'm so screwed up, and Martha's like, what is wrong with you? He's here. He's in their time. Jesus was somewhere. Jesus, if he was in Bethany, he wasn't in Damascus. If he was in Jerusalem, he wasn't in Galilee. He was somewhere. Well, today, he's here, Martha. He's here. I can't make a Pop-Tart. I can't can barely shuffle my feet. I mean, I just want to sit in front of him and bask in his glory because I'm messed up. When was the last time you got so messed up? Wouldn't it be a horrible thing to have a Jesus who was local? Like, he's at Impact Church today, which means he's not anywhere else. But wouldn't it be horrible if he's local? Where is Jesus? He's in Toronto today. Well, I'm still going to go to my church in London, even though Jesus is in Toronto. Are you kidding? I would be gone. But their culture, he was local. There's times he was distant. There's times he was away. And religion today teaches that he's distant, that he's somewhere. He only hangs out with the qualified, the pure, and the holy. But thank God we live in a covenant where he lives in me. I'm not trying to run around and find him. He dwells here. I had church all by myself yesterday. I don't know how you guys can sit there. The glory was so strong in the sound booth. I mean, I'm falling off my stool. What should have taken me an hour? I was four hours, I'm sure. And Cheryl thinks I stayed away long enough to let her do all the yard work. But that wasn't it. <laughs> I literally, I was going, God, I was literally like, stop, please. I got to finish these notes. Tickle me, Jesus. No, not right now. Are you okay? 
I'm, I'm trying to come, I'm actually trying to come to a conclusion. She sat at his feet in a culture where that was forbidden. Bill Johnson said busyness can be artificial significance. Madame Guillaume, in the 1600s, she was uh, just someone who practiced just time with Jesus, spending incredible time with Jesus. And she wrote many, many books out of her encounters with him. But she said, it's so often our activities obstruct our union with him. Can you say union? Our busyness obstructs our union with him. Listen now, a couple of lessons. You ready? Here's the greatest lesson I want you to embrace. The greatest lesson I want you to embrace is that the power of the gospel is manifest in our lives through beholding, not behaving. That's the greatest lesson I got out of this. Because you know what? Behavior gets lost in beholding. Like behavior don't even matter. You can't even function other than reflecting and manifesting his goodness and grace. How many people are behaving, trying to look like Jesus, when you can look in his face, thou God seest me? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Another couple of thoughts. Authentic living comes from a place of satisfaction. I'm not looking for satisfaction. Just, just him. He more than satisfies me. One ounce of devotion eclipses a ton of striving. One ounce of devotion eclipses. She smelt like him, and he smelt like her, and her devotion changed the atmosphere. I wonder if even at the cross, when Mary was there watching, and she could go... Some people go, man, he smells like this lady's hair. There's such an intermingling. There he was pouring out his devotion. She broke an alabaster box. He broke, and his flesh and his body were torn open because he adores you, because he can't live without you. She broke an alabaster box. The veil of his flesh was torn open to let you in. Here's, here's, here's it's beautiful stuff. Let me finish up. You ready? C.S. Lewis said, I believe, in, I, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. See, when you look at the sun, when you see the sun, it defines everything about you in all of your life. See, and that's all you need is to constantly behold him. And you don't have to worry about behavior modification and lessons on how to be a better person. Because that will transform you and fix you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. You ready? Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you. See, it's, it's not doing it to get his embrace. It's embracing that I'm already embraced. It says, in light of the mercy of God, in light of his wonderful love for you, in light of these 11 chapters, where I shared God's affection for you. What's your reasonable act of worship? What's your response? Everything I have, every moment. I live it in your face and I live it for you. Are you ready? So Mary had a space between her encounters, like I said, distance between her and the one she adored. But then, Acts 1.14, these all continued in one accord. There they are in the upper room. Jesus has ascended. Jesus was local. Jesus is gone. In Acts 1.14, they all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus. That wasn't the Mary, but it says with the women. I think one of those women was Mary. 
Because I think Mary hated the distance. I think Mary was there. This says there were 600 on the mount when he ascended. And she saw her go. And just a hole inside of her going, oh my goodness, when will I see him again? I mean, she lived for this. But here's the beautiful thing. She was there in the upper room because he said there's going to come a day. Acts 2, uh, one, Acts 2, 4, it says they were all filled and diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I am going to come to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, I and the Father, we're going to make our home in you. I don't have to wonder where he is today because I know where he is. Where is he? He's right here. He's right. He dwells in me. I mean, Mary desperately wanted what we have today, and she got there. Mary got to the place where no longer do I have to hope he'll visit my home, but he has made me his home. Almighty God has moved in, and I share this intimate affection every moment of every single day. Can I get a hallelujah? John 14, 20 says, and that day you will know that I am in the Father, and I and the Father are in me and that I am in you. And it says, Jesus makes his fixed abode in us. There's no longer any distance. There's no longer any distance between us and God. Isn't that good? Come on, stand up with me. Let me say it one more time. You don't have to struggle to snuggle. When I read that, I say, wow. In the whole world, whenever the good news that you're set free from your sin, that Jesus came and he loves you and he's made a way for you to be restored to your father, wherever that is shared in the whole world, this story, this memorial should be shared as a memorial to her. But I think because God wants us to always make sure that the gospel is not couched in head knowledge. It's couched in relational knowledge. It's felt in it. The knowing him isn't I know him in my head, but I know him in my heart and I know him intimately. And it's always got to be not a discussion, not an interaction of ideas. Although I love that because sometimes they unpack more about the one I love. And the more I see, the more I love. But let even that pursuit always be the source of that be that he's the lover of your soul. Never do things for him. Do things with him. And do things out of that intimate relationship with him. And I just want you to bow your heads everybody pray. If you're here today and you've never had that opportunity to say, Jesus, come and live in me. Come and indwell my heart. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you heard like Mary the good news that has shattered all the distance. You say, I want to snuggle with the Almighty. You don't have to struggle. You can come right now. He said, come unto me. All you are weary and burned out on religion. Come on, come to me and I'll give you rest. If you've never accepted him as your savior, accepted him as the lover of your soul, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. I'm going to do it if you're watching online too. I'm saying this. I just want to give you a place where you can do it. You ready? One, two, three. Put your hand up. Say, me, pastor, pray for me. Anyone, anyone, anyone. If online, if you watch that, you heard that you say, man, I want some of this. Then I just welcome you to pray with me, all right? We're all going to pray, and I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for removing all the distance, for bringing me close, for forgiving my sin, for healing me, and bringing me into freedom. I receive you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. 
Wow, that was good. Hey, online, if you're online and you did that, we got an all access pass, a VIP pass. Go to our webpage, front page, boom, hit that. There's people ready to talk to you. If you're online and you need prayer for anything today, you can go. We got prayer rooms online. You can go get prayer right now. If you're a part of the church and you just want to hang out with some folks in the lobby and say hi to people, we got a virtual lobby. It's starting right now. You can go to the virtual lobby. There's people there. I mean, I was seeing Terry and Deb all the time on the virtual lobby, but now they're right here in front of me. Good to see you. But you know, the virtual is pretty cool too, huh? But you know what? It's good. You can see people connect with the body of Christ virtually and online. All right. Bless you. Let me pray for you. There is prayer today. We got a couple people going to line up on either side here, and the tape is there. If you need prayer, step on the end of that yellow tape, and people will, in a distance, pray for you, okay? So if you need prayer, you know, please stay behind, and we'll make sure you get prayed for. Otherwise, we're going to release you, and just please go out distance. You have to go out that door. Came in that door, but you got to go out that door, and please uh, give yourself a hand sanitizer before you go, and if you don't have your mask on, make sure you have your mask on as you leave, all right? Let me bless you. Thank you. We got guests here today, visitors. My, my daughter's here today, my grandkids too. Wasn't that great? So I was just so happy to have them here today. And uh, if you're a guest though, thank you so much for coming and spending time with us. Bless you. If you got a, a gift pack, there's a card in there. If you fill it out, we're going to send you a prize. I kid you not. It's so awesome. <laughs> Father, bless these folks. Father, Father, I pray that what I'm unable to do and the foolishness of preaching to somehow share what your word wants to manifest, what your word wants to draw out of us. Father, I pray that you by your spirit would do. I pray that, that uh, people wouldn't feel like I got to get closer, but they'd realize a revelation of their closeness, a revelation of their union, a revelation that you don't have to struggle to snuggle. So, Father, I bless each and every one now. I bless them that the great love of the Father would be so clear, that the wonderful grace of Jesus would enable and empower them. And I pray for the wonderful continued partnership of the Holy Spirit to be with each and every one. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome day. Amen.